Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King. Alongside me is Greg Kabakshian. Greg, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. It's good to be here again. Yeah. Uh, welcome in. We're recording this on Monday morning, a little earlier than we normally do. Um, and no questions came in today, so I don't know if we're going to get a question between now and our normal recording time. And if so, we'll throw that in for next week. But Greg, you're on the podcast today because you preached yesterday. Uh, thanks for uh, leading our church in that, preaching the word and uh, delivering a good message. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was good to do that. Yeah. We're in First John chapter 2. And you were uh, preaching specifically or precisely on verses 12 through 14 of chapter 2. So give us a little bit of a summary. Maybe give us the 90-second summary of the message that you preached yesterday. Yeah, so those verses are interesting. Like nowhere else in the New Testament does something like that occur where he just goes like, I write to you, I write to you, I write to you. He takes this like poetic break from what he was normally doing, commanding them, and then just gives them this, you know, three-verse interlude of just pure encouragement and says like I write to you children um, because you are forgiven so he addresses three groups of people two times through children fathers and then young men and so the um, the point of the sermon yesterday was to say um, these things are also true of us because of the gospel Um, we are forgiven Um, we know God and we have overcome the evil one because of Jesus yeah so that's good. As you were recounting that, um, and you're saying he writes this, that being John, of course, right. He's the one who wrote the letter. Right. Um, and I was just reminded me yesterday, there was a moment, I can't remember exactly when it was right now. I think Matt, maybe was he doing prayers, the people, or there's, there was a moment after your sermon. I think it was the first service where Matt referenced what we heard from Greg and from John today. And he just, he said it that way. And, and in my mind, I, uh, wherever I was, maybe we were, I can't remember exactly. I was just like, John, who, who is John? Which John spoke today? I was like, John, I was, uh, who was doing liturgy? You know, Michael was doing liturgy. I did communion. John, who's John? And then, then he was like, oh yeah, John, the person who write, wrote the letter. He just said it in a way that just seemed yeah. like so serious. Like we heard, when we heard from Greg and John today, and I was like, so as if you were uh, beside each other, yeah. right? Or back to back. So um, there, so John is the one, of course, writing the letter um, yeah. that, that we're preaching through. So uh, before we go into, maybe would ask you to, Review some of the, the the best questions that our Bible studies can consider this week. Um, you had done a um, an explanation yesterday of how John is writing to children, fathers, and young men. Maybe just recap those audiences. Who are those audiences um, that are reading his letter? So the term "child" throughout John, every single time it's used in the Epistle of First John is referring to all believers. That's just his affectionate, endearing term for all Christians. And so when he uses the term child or children um, in in verse 12, and then I think verse 13, he um, is referring to everybody. When he uses the term fathers, most likely he's referring to like all older believers, mm-hmm. just not even mature Christians, just those advanced in age. Um, I'm not going to give a specific age range for that, but just older Christians. Sure. And then 
um, young men is probably referring to younger Christians. This was like a pretty common like literary practice, especially in the ancient world, for people to divide their audience into two categories, those older and those younger. We see that like done all throughout Paul. He divides his audience into older women, younger women, older men, younger men. This is how you are to have relationships with each other, younger and older. Mm-hmm. And so it's not uncommon that he does that. Um, the big point is just he's not just talking to like fathers as in males with children. He's yeah. speaking to all older Christians. Yeah. Yeah. And is it, and um, I imagine true also then not just even the reason you want to give an age, because the age is not as important as the, the level of maturity, maybe right. The, the right. length of faith that someone has had as they're reading this, this letter. And throughout the letter, he also says all of these things that he says of, you know, children, fathers, young men, uh, of everybody. So it's not like these things are just true of older Christians, but perhaps for some reason he saw it especially fit to remind them specifically. Mm -hmm. But all of those things are true of all Christians. Yeah. Well, as you think about those verses you preached on, and, and um, of course, anyone in Bible studies has access to that, uh, the link with the sermon application questions. You have some questions that are on there. Um, whether those questions or whatever else is on your mind right now, what's the best way that uh, our people and our Bible study groups, and whether in a study or not, you just encourage each other applying these things to their lives, the best ways they can think through or ask each other questions to apply the message from yesterday? Yeah, I would say that Um, often in our lives, there exists this gap kind of between our head and our heart and like, or like between our confessed doctrinal statement and our functional, like how we live life. And so like, undoubtedly we would all say these things are true of ourselves, Mm. but I don't know, like if we've actually let it seep down into our heart. Like, so on a functional level, I would, I would ask like, what do you, what do you live? Like, do you actually live like you are forgiven, like you know God and like you've overcome the evil one? Um, Which of those three um, do you struggle with living in line with the most? Um, And then a second, like a follow-up question would be like yesterday, I just didn't give a ton of application because John doesn't command anybody to do anything in this passage. Um, but it, it would be helpful to say, to look at our lives and to say, how should the fact that I am forgiven by God cause me to love my neighbor, treat people um, that have wronged me, maybe that I'm bitter against? How should the fact that I'm forgiven just cause me to act in the world? And the same thing for how should the fact that I know God cause me to act in the world? Um, and how should the fact that I am strong, victorious, and overcome the evil one caused me to act in God's world. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things have like massive social horizontal implications that we weren't able to draw yesterday, but would be really, really helpful to talk about in Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Let's go. Um, there, I had a, a thought that came up when I was listening yesterday. I wanted to ask you here uh, with in the section on children, you had said that um, our culture does not have a lot of, um, space or category for grace, forgiveness, and mercy, uh, even as it has a, a full understanding, or I, I, I'm not quoting you there, but like an understanding of sin. Um, help, help us think about our, or our listeners right now. How do we engage those around us? Do we re- I guess my, I wonder if our culture does actually understand what sin is. Now, not that we, it's on display. It's like, 
it's the greatest evidence. <laughs> the evidence is always there. It's just whether or not our world can really call it sin. How do we engage our culture on the need for grace, mercy, and forgiveness if they don't understand sin? Do you really think that our culture does understand sin? What's the category that we put it in? Yeah, I wouldn't even say that they understand sin. I think that they understand that there is a category for moral wrong hmm. and that people often break yeah. moral norms. So there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, there's no reason to get upset. You yeah, know, like sure. if people are just, if yep. there's no right and no wrong, then like why, why be mad about anything? Yeah. So our culture understands for sure there's a category. Now, definitely their category of what is wrong and right those categories are malformed, but they have the categories is Mm -hmm. what I was just trying to say. Yeah. And so, but I think one of the ways to like put on display, not only a proper understanding of sin, but also a proper understanding of forgiveness is how we as Christians dialogue and interact with our enemies. Um, or not even enemies, but those with whom we passionately disagree. And like, how quick are we to condemn point fingers Mm -hmm cancel people and how eager are we to see our enemies restored um like are we are we actively looking to the other side of whatever political spectrum looking at that and hoping and praying the best for our political enemies cultural enemies or are we just like the culture and just like wanting as soon as they make a mistake jumping on it and sure Yeah. Everybody like that. So I think a gracious dialogue with the people with whom we disagree can be one of the ways we put on display, not only sin because we are disagreeing, but also forgiveness and mercy. Yeah. 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 And that's, um, it's good for us to think through that and you're right to call out. I think you're right to call out how, um, oftentimes there's, there's this politicized conversation. We live in a hyper politicized moment. Um, where it seems like more and more things are coming under the umbrella of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and not my quote, um, I think it's John Stone Street who says, like, politics just makes for a terrible worldview. You know, it's just, it's not, it's just not a category and a lens that we really should be looking at life through. Mm-hmm. And more and more today we do. Um, more and more, our, our, even our country is just hyper politicized. Everything's run through the gamut of political lens. So even outside the political lens, when we look at moral failures in friendships uh, across the aisle to our neighbors, there are, there are other things that happen in culture outside of the political realm, even though we are prone to think everything's political. It's not. I hear you saying, hey, don't be quick to condemn. Be quick to show someone, desire to show someone forgiveness. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we now, this has been an, there's an iteration of this question that's come up a couple times on B-Side. Because it's always a little bit of a tension that I think we as Christians find. How do we balance the desire to show someone forgiveness with also the need for justice? How do we do that well when we see there's moral outrage in the world? And we even have some of that outrage, seeing how things are just not meant to be. They're not, they're not the way that God intended them to be. Yeah. How do we simultaneously hold that desire for justice and, and restoration, but also eagerness to see someone forgiven and, and come under um, a belief in Christ that would lead, lead to mercy. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that this week, and I, I kind of came to the conclusion that although it's not immediately apparent, I, I think that forgiveness and justice are not at all at odds with one another. In fact, like if we are to actually pursue justice, we must forgive people first. Like, or in other words, you could say it like 
forgiveness of our enemies is a necessary precondition for justice. Because otherwise, like if you are wronged and then you don't forgive somebody, but then you go to pursue justice, it will not be justice you're pursuing. It'll be revenge. But, but if you can accurately like forgive somebody and then say, listen, but your, your actions do have consequences. And out of love for you and love for God's world, here are the consequences. That is justice in a biblical way. But it needs, ju- biblical justice needs forgiveness to happen first. Because otherwise it's just spiteful, bitter mm. revenge out of hatred of the person, not a love of them. Mm. So it's like when God shows justice on the world, um, it's very similar to that. He does it out of love for his world, not out of hatred um, in, in the sense that I'm talking of it now for these people. And that we should imitate that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that hasn't forgiven their enemies, I, I just don't think is the person that should be able to show justice to those people. Mm-hmm. They're not ready yet. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I'm going to I'm gonna think, think more on that. Think of the applications of that. Is there a, is there a difference between loving one's enemies and forgiving one's enemies where justice is you know a piece of that puzzle on either side because there's you know yeah that's a good thought that's a good prompt for us to, to think about how we how we actually mesh those two things together a desire for justice and, and a desire to forgive like yeah. those two things do go hand in hand and um much like we can think about you know the similar way in which we can think about is God this or that? It's like, no, he's both. He's, he's these, these things at the same time. Justice comes with love. Justice comes with forgiveness. They can't be separated from each other. We in our human condition are prone, sometimes only capable of like seeing one at a time, you know, um, but we, but we can't, we can't separate them as if they're not connected. Right. Yeah. It's a, that's, that's an interesting thought for us to, to keep thinking through. Let me go to the fathers. Um, I appreciate the way that you said that, you know, that we challenge us. Don't be calloused um, after decades of life uh, to the grandeur of God. I think that's a, that, I think that's a helpful prompt for us. Um, oftentimes our, our days and months and years, even the, um, the experience of God's uh, love for us can, can sometimes just make us uh, indifferent. I don't know if I, I don't know if it's apathetic or if it's indifferent or calloused. Maybe there's different inter, different experiences and expressions of it at different times. But the challenge for us not to be to always be like a child that looks at our father with amazement um, because we know him. Right? I thought that was a really good, really good challenge. Like considering the weight of knowing God, I thought that was a good challenge for us yesterday. So, Greg, thanks for the preaching the word yesterday. Um, loved even how you, you included that, that challenge of taking heart and pressing on to, you know, in the young men section. Um, do you think that there's times where the message for us, I mean, I think you said this before, the answer I think is yes, but um, that take heart and press on, especially applicable to the young men, meaning the younger Christians. And yet that's also a great message for any one of us in our stage of faith, right? So I love yeah. how you, you did weave and connect these different messages. They're different for different audiences. There's also an overlap and connection between them. There's kind of some synergy between them that we really do benefit the message as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any final words of wisdom for our people as they go into this week or reflecting on this in Bible studies and, and look forward to worshiping together next week? No, not really. The, just the one thing that has helped me as I came to this passage was like, 
I've been going about my day, my week, last week, trying to think, like, what if you were hearing all of this for the very first time? Like, what would be your reaction? Um, if someone sat you down, you didn't know any of this before, and they said to you, listen, there is a God, and he created you. In fact, he created everything, and he ex they explained the concept of God to you, and then explained that not only does he exist, but that he is personal, like, he, he interacts um, and then not only is he personal, but he like wants to know you. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. just thinking about like, what if I heard that for the very first time, how amazed would I be? Yeah. And trying to stir up my soul and to kind of like invoke some passion toward like, this is, it is amazing that we, we have the chance to be able to know the God of the universe. Yeah. That's a gift that we shouldn't take for granted. Yeah. That's good. It's a great message. Um, great encouragement. Thanks for preaching yesterday. One, thanks for listening uh, to the B-Side Podcast. And uh, we wish you the best as you go into Bible studies. And this week, if you have questions that come up at either time, send them in to myself or oftentimes myself and Matt are the best two people to email for, with B-Side questions. And we will look forward to seeing you next week for worship. We'll see you then. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side Podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.